For more than 25 years, Atlanta has tuned into my straightforward financial advice. I'm Dr. Gene Hensler, and this is Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. My staff and I will give you fact-based, no-nonsense answers to your financial questions. To have your questions answered on the air, send them to me, Dr. Gene at Hensler.com. That's D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired Saturday, January 12th, 2019. The only thing we have to fear... The economic health of this nation has been... ...for essential economic freedoms. The excessive decline... Greed in the dollar... It's a late rally on Wall Street... Too big to fail... Growing the economy... Growing the economy... It's amazing what's been going on with the economy. Welcome. Welcome. This is Money Talk. Money Talk. Good morning, good morning. Welcome to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running, most-respected money show on the radio. I'm Troy Harmon, here today with DJ Barker. Hello, hello. How are you? Good, good morning. DJ is a managing associate in our financial planning division we call... Planning and implementation. That's it's right. not P&I. just planning. No, no. Don't forget the I. That's right. They, we they, implement as well. That's right. You, you, you can't, I mean, you can plan all you want as long as you do something about you it. That's what matters. That's right. the thing. Yeah. That's right. right. And uh, Michael Griffin, who's got a CFP, right? CFP. There that's we go. Correct. Uh, he also is a financial planner in our financial planning division, P&I. Um, that's not really the the role they call it. You guys got all kind of names for folks in that division, and I'll be honest with you, I can't quite follow them along. You'd be an associate, right? That is correct, Roy. Yeah, an associate. So, so maybe I follow him better than I thought. That's right. See, yeah. Troy knows. It's going to be a great show. Uh, uh, yeah, as soon as I wake up, we'll be that's doing right. just great. Troy's going to step out. We're going to take over from here. Yeah. <laughs> Go for it. Uh, all right, so... Uh, what a difference a few days makes. The That's S&P crazy. 500 is uh, is on the rebound. The last five days, six percent on the S&P 500. Uh, industrials, information technology, energy, all big winners. Uh, industrials up 8.06 percent. Infotech 7.84. Down toward the bottom, we got consumer staples, utilities, financials, uh, all still positive. That's uh, great. Consumer staples up 2.4 percent. Um, Starting to look a little scary there for a minute. We had some clients yeah. call, say, "Hey, what's going on?" But yeah, I like they it. haven't. It hasn't been terrible. Though. Not bad. Yeah. Not anymore. Well, uh, the thing is, from uh, September twentieth through uh, December twenty fourth, day before Christmas, we had a pretty significant downturn. Yeah. Uh, market lost, um, what nineteen point nine five percent? Didn't quite Almost. make it to bear territory. Almost we there. We flirted. Uh, but you know, through, uh, through the end of the year, we had, uh, we had a rally a little yeah. bit after, uh, after Christmas, the 26th, we had, uh, like a 5% up day. Mm-hmm. Uh, since that point, you know, from 920 through the end of the year, I think the official count was, uh, we'd lost 13.99%, something like that. Uh, if you look at it at the moment, um, we've, uh, we're still down from that high, obviously, but, uh, uh, just slightly less than 10%. So we've had a rally from yeah. the bottom, um, up almost 10%. So uh, 
Anyway, you, you uh, can't do the math in an additive function. You, you uh, realize that when you lose 13% of a big number, it takes more than 13% of that smaller number to get back to where we Absolutely. were. Absolutely. So um, anyway, we've, uh, we've seen some volatility. Second time in uh, really last 12 months, we had uh, volatility back in February of 2018. When uh, when the market lost, uh, I think it was a little better than ten percent. Yeah, January was looking up. January twenty eighteen, yeah, was yeah. on fire, we and then gained, we hit February. Yeah, we gained seven point one percent in the first twenty six days of two thousand eighteen. Basically, a year's worth of growth on average. Uh, yeah, then in yeah. the first month, and then it, it fell south from there. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, it's, that's the reason that we say any money that you don't need. Should be in that volatile financial market yeah. equities, right? Yeah. Uh, we all know that uh, you look over long periods of time, and and equities actually are the way to build wealth. Absolutely, uh, tend to outgrow inflation by a significant amount, and then uh, when you've identified you need it in a short period of time, up to ten years, in our opinion, um, you put it on the sidelines, right. away from that, away from that uh, volatile equities market. <clears throat> Put it in fixed income. Our ten-year rule. Um, so, uh, like I say, lately we've seen a rally on the industrials. If you look at the the twelve-year, uh, twelve-month number, twelve-year, um, back to January of 2018, um, S&P 500 still down 3.77 percent. Uh, like I say, most of which we lost toward the end of the year. Uh, utilities, the big winner, 8.94%. Mm-hmm. Real estate, 46 and uh, healthcare, 3.67. So it's um, interesting on here. You got Infotech down just negative 1.7. They had a great, great year though. Yeah, yeah, 2018 yeah. for a long time. It was. Uh, then you started seeing things come unraveled. Yeah. And, and to be honest with you, How some of their valuations. It changes. Yeah, some of their valuations um, based on the fact that uh, growth was going to go on forever. This is the way we get as human beings a bit overly emotional and we start running prices of certain things up. And uh, next thing you know, reality comes calling and, yeah. uh, and, and we see some downturns. But you're right, uh, information technology kind of in the middle of the pack, still beat the market, which, like I say, was down 3.77. Mm-hmm. Uh, Infotech down 1.78. So, um, you know, it's kind of... Kind of strange the way it works. Uh, some of this has been, you know, the big talk in the market has been uh, the trade war with China. Right. I still believe that's relatively, it's going to be in in uh, retrospect a relatively short-lived thing. I still don't believe it's going to continue for a long time. There are those that are saying the uh, economic summit in Davos, which we have every year, uh, is probably a good backdrop for um, the U.S. and China to come out and say, you know, this was... Uh, this was all well and good. We've come to agreements, and uh, the tariffs are, are going to be adjusted, and yeah. most go away. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll just see what happens there. Definitely think that's going to happen, Troy. I mean, I, I don't think it, it – it has to. It, it, it just yeah. has to. It has to go away, and I think they're, they're just seeing who's going to back down first. And Yeah. Well, if you think about what's going on, China's, China's economic uh, growth is slowing. Um, obviously, you know, I've been talking about it for a long time. When things are at their best is usually when I'm at my scaredest, if that's a word. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, honestly, there's it's it's kind of one of those things like playing king of the hill. When you're at the top of the hill, where do you go from there? 
Uh, our economy has been hitting on all cylinders. I mean, we even saw uh, recently our employment situation, which really has led um, most of the positive economic news, 312,000 jobs added in December. That's correct. Pretty that's awesome. Right. Yeah, that's, that's uh, fantastic. We were expecting 184,000. Killed, added. yeah, crushed expectations. Yeah. So, uh, you know, in order to keep up with population growth, we have to create about 127,000 jobs, I think, is kind of the consensus number. Um, you can see we blew that out of the water in yeah. December. So um, no reason for the consumer to have uh, bad feelings. We've, we've seen uh, personal income grow uh, over 3% recently while inflation's growing at about 2. I think we had 2.2 in November, uh, 1.9, I think it was, in our December reading. So um, when the consumer, when the you know, average laborer is making uh, bigger strides than inflation. Uh, we've seen uh, consumer sentiment actually pretty positive. Uh, they seem to be more positive about their current situation than they are about their future. So, um, you know, definitely not a bad thing. Uh, manufacturing slowing down just a smidge. Um, we had uh, uh, November numbers at 60.7 out of, you know, we anything above 50 is considered expansionary, uh, fell to 57.6 in, uh, in December. So we have seen a little slowing in manufacturing. We look at that pretty closely because it does uh, correlate pretty well with uh, GDP growth, economic growth in our domestic economy. Uh, mortgage applications after the end of the year, which, you know, December is a terrible, terrible period usually for mm -hmm. uh, new home buying and uh, refinancing and that sort of thing. We did see a, a significant uptick. Um, rates fell just a, just a bit on those, right? Yeah. Um, you talk about rates. To be honest with you, that's the scariest part of everything right now going on with me. Uh, if you ask me, we got the Treasury um, one year is uh, got a, a higher yield than the two-year, got a higher yield than the three-year, the four-year, hmm. and the five-year. We've got inversion. In, like in the middle of the of the yield curve, um, when you go to the one year, two point six eight percent. Let's back up. Two point five eight percent. The two year, two point five six. It's slight inversion. Two point five four six on the three year. Two point five six one on the five year. Um, anytime we start seeing that inversion, where the short maturities yeah. are yielding more than the longer term. Uh, we start worrying about What's signs of inflation, uh, yeah. signs of uh, recession, actually. So um, usually we wait for the 10 and the 2-year. Uh, when the 2-year is higher, is yielding uh, a higher amount than the 10-year, then uh, we really get worried. But there is... Uh, Starting to see a little... Yeah. If I look at this yield curve and take it back to June of 2006, the shape is almost identical. Wow. Uh, the difference yeah. is there was 2.4% more almost across the board uh, in that yield curve back in 06 than we have today. So yields are much lower, and we're seeing inversion. Hmm. Okay. Troy, do you think that inversion is going to continue? Do you think that the 2 is going to get higher than the 10? Um, I'll be honest with you, Michael. I think what has happened uh, recently, and why don't, we, why don't we talk about this in just a minute when we come back um, we can uh, stop here. We'll pay a bill or two when we come back. Let's talk about that inversion in the yield curve and a dog of the week. If you're listening to Money Talk, stick around.
time for the Dog of the Week. All right, Dog of the Week this week. It's uh, not really so much a dog. It uh, it actually gives me a platform to talk about something that I talk about quite a bit um, in uh, in my own circles. But uh, there is a petition. This actually comes from KSFY Television a television uh, station out of uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, says thousands signed petition to merge the, Coda, the Dakotas into Megacota. Me- oh. Megacota. Wow. That's a great vacation destination. You know what's, you know what's hilarious to me? I have actually lived. I'm I one was going to say. I was, who have lived in North Dakota. That's right. Did He's so, the guy, folks. He's the guy. I did so for about three and a half years of my life. I was in the Air Force, uh, stationed in uh, Grand Forks, North Dakota. And uh, while I had a blast, it was a very different place, uh, very flat and not many trees, mm-hmm. um, but a lot of wildlife. How's the snow in, so, uh, well, in the north, to be northern honest Dakotas? With you, DJ, you get early in the season when it's still warm enough to snow, and yes, it gets too cold to snow in North Dakota <laughs> quite often. You get about an inch of snow, and then the wind starts blowing, and it blows all of that inch of snow <laughs> up and over your car. I've got pictures of a, I had a 1982 Honda Civic, and... Uh, I have pictures of that car totally covered up in a snowdrift, and that's usually the way it works in North Dakota. You don't wow. you don't often get huge you know snowfalls, just but extreme just, cold, just a little bit, and then it blows it back and forth across <laughs> the street for the next five months uh, until the fall comes about June, middle of June, you know something <laughs> like that. Uh, anyway, for a, for a good old Southern boy. Uh, born and raised right here in Georgia, it was uh, definitely an experience. But I would tell you that if they merged North and South Dakota, it would still have the lowest population (laughs) in the United States. Uh, Not very many folks live there. They have lots of uh, millionaires per capita. It's mostly farmers. Um, Okay, yeah. And uh, it's hard to keep a windshield in your car in the fall because uh, the the sugar beet trucks are out there uh, gathering sugar beets from the from the very rich soil, at mm-hmm. least along the eastern side of North Dakota. And, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the reason I wanted to bring this up is if you think about something that's ripe for disruption, we talk about disruption and how technology does, yeah. uh, you know, comes along, does all that. <clears throat> Let's think about Georgia for a minute. So if you merge North and South Dakota, mm-hmm. you can get rid of, tantamount to a one full state's worth of infrastructure. Yeah. Their government, all their, their assets and, and the t- everything, yeah. about everything, uh, everything just you could get rid of. Well, wow. in Georgia, we have 159 counties. Our neighbor to the west, which is, you know, it's smaller than us. We are the largest state east of the Mississippi. They have 67 counties. In the state of Georgia, if we took this same concept and decided that we were going to narrow down the number of counties that we have, same concept, right? You can have fewer county governments, yeah. fewer county jails, yeah. fewer, I mean, everything, all of it, road crews. In the middle 1800s, Georgia was founded, and we decided that we were going to make um, the county seat no more than a day's buggy ride from any place in the county. Okay. Now, since then, we've had some changes. Um, 1931, I think it was, uh, Milton County and 
Campbell County became part of Fulton County. And if you look at Fulton County on a map, it's about 60 miles yeah. from Milton, Georgia, to Palmetto, yeah. uh, north to south. And that's as long as any county's going to be. So it doesn't meet that uh, day's buggy ride to the county seat anymore. And to be honest with you, what better county than Fulton could we have uh, <laughs> to manage the one of the largest, most sprawling counties in the state? Yes, of course, tongue-in-cheek. But... Uh, Anyway, it just seems to me that if you wanted to make some significant change, now who's going to run? Who's going to run for office and get any of the county workers ever oh, to vote for them right. as you know governor of the state and say that we're going to reduce the number of counties by one third? This is just not going to happen. Yeah. Anyway, it's a great idea, a, Troy, but never going to happen. Kind of a soapbox for me. If you look at uh, per uh, Alabama's got fifty-two thousand four hundred nineteen square miles of space. We have 59,425. You divide that by the number of counties. Alabama's covering 782 square miles per county. We're covering 373. We got a whole lot more government, I think, than the state of Georgia needs. But um, anyway, only 2.4 times as many counties as our neighbor to the west. Wow. That's crazy. Anyway, that's, uh, again, my dog of the week. So, Michael, Let's get back to the conversation we were having before the first break, and yes, that sir. was uh, if you think, interest rates. Yes, sir, if you think the 2 and the 10 are actually going to invert. Well, I'll be honest with you. I think most of it uh, has to do with the management by the Fed of interest mm-hmm. rates. And uh, the Fed raises interest rates generally to uh, to keep inflation in check and to make sure that we've got kind of a balance between inflation being relatively low and us having uh, reasonable economic growth, right? Right, and they've and, already and they've already talked a little bit about you know not raising them quite as much next year, correct? Right, and uh, there was a debate. I mean, Donald Trump came out was tweeting and sending all kind of messages early in December, saying that uh, Jerome Powell, our Fed chairman, should not raise interest rates in yeah. December, but he did it anyway. We talked about that on the show. We were a little well, concerned we did. with. We did. Uh, to be honest, we have, we had inflation come in December 1.9%. The Fed's target's 2%. Uh, even the PCE deflator that they use uh, came in and showed us that we had 1.8% in inflation. So inflation wasn't major, and employment was absolutely awesome. We did have a tick up in employment uh, in December from 3.7% to 3.9%, but that was based on the fact that we had an expansion in the labor participation rate. More people are actually in the job market. So it uh, doesn't look to me like there's any sort of an issue with uh, uh, with employment. So, it, it, you know, it could give you some cover uh, 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 reason, I guess, to raise interest rates, and nothing really changed from that, I don't believe. Um, but it just seemed kind of pointless. It didn't seem like there was any reason to raise interest rates, and yet we got one anyway. Uh, the options market was telling us 70% probability that we would get an interest rate increase. So um, that's kind of the way that I went into December saying, yeah, we're going to get one, but we don't necessarily need it. Um, and now after that raise, we got this weird shape in our yield curve where one-year treasuries are yielding more than the two, three, four, and five years, right? So um, that's the kind of thing that actually does it. Uh, mm-hmm. you, get, uh, you get, I guess, arguably mismanagement 
um, from the Fed. Uh, the Fed has given us uh, kind of uh, some guidance that they might have to this year. But if you look at the options market, it's telling us we don't see any probability, a very low probability of any rate increases in 2019, which wow. I'd be okay with. Yeah, that'd be mm-hmm. great. Yeah, yeah but uh, anyway, like I say, um, economic conditions all seem to be favorable at the moment. It's just a matter of how do we expand them from here. And uh, and that's that's truly, and, you know, recoveries from recession don't last forever. Right. I guess theoretically they could, but it's it's unlikely. So um, we'll continue to watch all that uh, and see kind of what the Fed does. I wouldn't expect a March rate increase, though, okay. know, given, given what we've been hearing. Thank you, Troy. You're welcome. All right, guys, um, we can at least get this uh, started. It's that time of year where people start looking for ways to improve themselves physically, financially, um, various ways. And uh, today we wanted to talk a little bit about um, managing debt. Fun topic, right? It is very fun. Yeah. Well, it's the beginning of a new year, right? So everybody's, exactly. this is what everybody's talking about. Getting your financial health in order What with the new year. Yeah. Uh, we got to get it all done. Get healthy. Tighten, tighten the belt. Tighten the belt. Get, you know, get and, our and spending in line. Get and, healthy. Absolutely. And probably the best way to not increase your debt is to spend less, right? Absolutely. Uh, we're, we're Make more money, spend less money. Yeah, we're pulling forward uh, tomorrow's income so that we can have goodies, our awesome assets, yeah. today. Yeah, well, we talk about that a lot with the younger clients, right? Not spending for lifestyle and creating debt for yourself for the future. I mean, this no. is this is a, a trap that that we have questions and, and conversations all the time about with clients and children of clients and everyone. Yeah, you say, you say young folks, and, and it is quite often the topic that you do, but... It can be anyone. It really can. It can yeah. certainly be anybody. I mean, you know, a lot of these people, middle-aged people, their uh, their kids get out of the house, and then all of a sudden they want to they want to start, you know, spend. They think that they can just start spending a lot more money, start traveling, start doing things. It's not always the right decision. Yeah, yeah. We call them the sandwich generation, right? The the people that have uh, your 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 parents are aging. Um, they're getting older. They may need a little assistance, and, and you're trying to figure out how we're going to deal with them. And you also have college age or teenagers that are uh, that are coming up. They're still on the payroll a little bit, but not all the way. So uh, we're going to start talking through how how to help and, and what to look at. Yeah, when we come back, we'll finish up that subject. But uh, let's take a real quick break. We'll be right back. What am I to wake up suddenly and then? Enroll at the local college, earn me a degree, and I could work weekends. We're back. You're listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon. I'm here with DJ Barker and none other than Michael Griffin. Uh, talking about all kind of fun stuff. Uh, before we get back into our conversation about uh, managing our debt here in the new year, uh, let me give you a way that you can send us your own questions. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, you can call our question hotline, 1-855-429-9166. Uh, you'll get a recording. Uh, you can leave your message, including your question, 
We play the question on the air and answer right behind it. So a real simple, easy way. Don't have to talk to a human. Some folks like that. But if you want to talk to a human being, you can call us at 770-429-9166. You can just tell them you have a question for the radio show, and they will get you to our producer. Uh, If you prefer email, you can email us at drgenehensler.com. That's spelled D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R dot com. Um, You can tell us whatever it is that you uh, would like for us to answer for you, and uh, we will do just that. Uh, If you'd like to see some of our work, maybe answer your own question, you can uh, log on to our our, uh, website, Hensler.com, again, H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R dot com, and... uh, we have, if it's a broad topic, we probably have something that will help you answer those types of questions. So, guys, when we last spoke, we were talking about how to manage debt. You guys were just getting into it. We had to go to another break. commercial break. Yeah, it's the long, way it goes. Long. It happens up. Hey, you got lots of time now. Let's hear you. <laughs> All right, Michael. So, so what we have is, you know, we get questions about um, debt to income. You know, what's a good number? You know, is, is is higher percentages or lower percentages the best? You always, you always want to be lower. That's right. We, well, maybe with this, <laughs> with, with this, you is, always is, want to is, be is, lower. If it's personal finance type debt, absolutely right. And, and what we're talking about here is, um, you know. Borrowing for a home, you know, credit cards, you know, things of that nature, loans that you have outstanding, and you're trying to to start the year and you're trying to reevaluate what you have coming in the door. The the idea that you know, obviously, your paychecks, you have income coming in, and then you have obligations every month. You have your mortgage payments, you have car payments, you have student loan potential payments, you have credit card or or what so have you. Um, you know, how how and what how do we measure the income to debt, and, and where do we need to look at? Um, what's the nice balance? Well, you know, you gotta you gotta add all those up, and then you gotta take the income and and divide it, and then you really you really don't want to be any more than thirty six percent. Is that and, and we're assuming thirty six percent of total? So, yeah. uh, meaning including your home, everything. Yes. Yeah, and, and and I think that's what's important because when we go to a lot of times we have. Um, our clients are looking to buy new homes, and they go to their mortgage lender, and their mortgage lender tells them, "Hey, you can afford X, Y, Z." Um, you know, I think it's important to understand that having a lender provide you with those that data that says you can afford X amount of dollars per month for this mortgage, it, it may not be in your best interest. Absolutely. When when my wife and I bought a house two years ago, they they told us we could afford a, a much more expensive house than we bought, but we weren't comfortable doing that. And yeah. that's the important thing. You need to you need to have a comfort level what you feel comfortable spending. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's an important uh, important um decision when you're when you're looking through, you know, again, getting out of debt. Um Absolutely. Absolutely, DJ. I mean, you you need to watch that and and be careful of it. Um you need to also make sure that if you have any kids on the payroll that if they have student loans, you know, you want to make sure you don't need to help them out with those or anything like that. It's it's very important and a lot of these people in the in in the middle generation are sometimes getting stuck with some of that stuff as they get as they near retirement. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, a lot of times it's easier to to easier to talk about how how to get out of debt than it is to actually get out of debt. Oh, it's always easier to talk about it. Yeah. It's the reason you're planning and implementing. <laughs> I think we made that point earlier, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. 
Uh, it, well, let's talk about one thing. I know there's a lot of folks out there with what we would call a, a depression mentality. They okay. don't want to have debt at all whatsoever. And it's, uh, I mean, when it comes to, to personal credit card type debt with high interest rates, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, we would always encourage get rid of that stuff. But if you've got a mortgage, and, and I know in the last four or five years, you could have refinanced your mortgage and, and had it at 3.75%. Yeah. Is it smart to take money out of the stock market, out of your savings, and pay off your mortgage? Not in our opinion. Yeah. It's just not. You can earn more in the market historically than you can by paying off your house. Right. So so while the debt is is a kind of a a hard number, you can't really you you can't uh skip a payment and and still be in the good graces of uh of the credit companies. Um you still need to be mindful of the debt which you should pay off and that which might be okay, right? Absolutely, yeah. Mortgage, mortgage, you know, those, that type of debt is is always going to be, you know, okay. It really is an emotional reaction more than a, the, um, I guess, a financial. When it comes to a low interest mortgage, you know, that debt is going to be just fine because you're going to make more of the money or more money in the market than you would try to yeah. try to get out of that. It's it's a credit card. It's it's those. Um, car loans, yeah, higher high car loans, high credit card debt. Right. You d- you don't want those, right? Student loans with high interest rates. You need to you need to try to get out of those as quick as as you can. Yeah, probably the best way is to if you got a a relatively small balance that you could pay off quick, and then apply more of that money to you know the next one. That might be a strategy, or go for the juggler on those with the absolute highest interest rate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so probably. Probably a good uh, way to deal with it. Now, you know, we talk a lot about um, debt-to-income ratio, and that's one of the things that a mortgage company will will look at. What do they say? About 28% is all they really want you to be paying, 28% for the of home. your income for a home? Absolutely. But if do I run it all the way up to 28%? Is this the smart thing to do, DJ? Well, let's, uh, let's see what happened in 2008. How did that I, pay, pay yeah. out? Well, yeah. I mean, there were prior, a, lot of, a lot of things working. Prior, prior, no, you do not want to. You know, we talked about that. We do not want to see anyone go up to, you know, twenty-eight, thirty, thirty-five percent, and 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 gets over your head very quickly. There's a lot more expense than the mortgage, and that's what I think a lot of people don't remember. You, you've got lawn maintenance, you've got heating and air, you've got plumbing. Oh, really? you, there's so much more, more than, than the, the one mortgage. payment. You no longer have that rental. You know, you don't. You can't call your your landlord and say this is what's happened. There's a lot more expenses than that one payment that you're going to pay. So you're saying that if I win the lottery and I get $2 million, half of which is truly going to go to Uncle Sam, right. I can't take a $1 million and go buy me a house and think I'm cool? Yeah, that's not it. That's just, no. that's just the beginning of the payments. All the maintenance is, is still going to pile up. Unfortunately. And all the things that break. <laughs> yeah, break. And I, yeah. I don't know about you guys, but when I bought my house, I replaced a hot water heater and an HVAC unit in the first three months. So, you know, wow. things happen. Welcome to home ownership. Exactly. That's, the American dream. That's yes. The American what? Hey, is it a dream or well, or a it depends. I mean, we're starting to see some some turn of events. Um, you know, there's a lot of financial experts out there that are actually starting to say that you know, if you're a millennial generation, you shouldn't purchase a home because one, you know, it's a little easier to get up and move without having to sell anything you basically your lease goes up or you pay the penalty and walk away and you can start fresh somewhere else you know there's a lot of debate right now where you know 40 years ago that was the dream sure. get, get your job get a home move on now but we maybe bought not homes. so much 
We bought homes, and let's back up one step. We bought homes that were more within our reach. We were living within our means. We would buy a house. In fact, you look at all the old houses. Most of the old houses around here, they were a tiny cracker box. Mm -hmm. And then you'll see a piece built onto the back. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's when they had a kid and they wanted to make a room. The next thing you know, there's another piece built onto the side. If you look at the old houses, in fact, I've watched some television shows recently where a guy was digging around in his basement and found something that just looked really bizarre. It, It looked like the bottom of a rail car. Turns out that in the Midwest, they actually built several subdivisions where they would just move in um, like sleeping cars from, oh, the, from the West Coast, and that would be the basis of your house, and then they would build all over it, and before you know it, it looked like more or less a modern home. Wow. But, you wow. know, they were they were buying something they could afford, and then as they grew their wealth, they were putting it into their home. Uh, a concept that we lost a yeah. while back. No, not not any longer. Yeah, I think low interest rates over the last few years have actually uh, changed our mindset quite a bit. Yeah, and I think that's what we're going to start seeing. I mean, we, the, the rates have come back; they've fallen just a little bit, and I think we're going to see, uh, you know, as as the rates continue to rise, you're going to see the, the housing market's going to slow. Right? People are I, not going to be able; they were be able to afford a bigger more expensive or more elaborate home at 2.5%. Now it's 4.5%. You're going to see that slowdown. And people that are starting to sell, they're going to start to, you know, yeah. to realize that. Under higher interest rates, I don't see a way that we could not, unless we have some huge spurt, a growth spurt in, in economic activity. And uh, it, it's hard to see just exactly how that might work, you know, especially under higher interest rates. If that's the only thing we're seeing. Well, guys, let's take a real quick break. When we come back, we'll answer some financial questions. You're listening to Money Talks. Stick around. Broadcasting from atop the Hensler Financial Building in the heart of Georgia's financial district, Kennesaw, Georgia, this is Money Talks. In the Money Talks, I'm Troy Harmon here with DJ Barker and Michael Griffin, and uh, that uh, that's a pretty good tie-in, right? Moving on up, we're going to buy the bigger house and get the bigger debt and do it. all the crazy things that crazy people do, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah, we want to pull tomorrow's income forward and buy our goodies today. Get it? It's only going to cost you twenty percent. Only. That's all. Only twenty percent. That's all it takes. Yeah. Take years and years to pay. Who cares? A lifetime. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Uh, So uh, if you have questions, again, Mm -hmm. you can call us on our question hotline, 1-855-429-9166. You'll hear a recording. Leave your message, including your question. Uh, We'll play the question back on the air and answer right behind it. If you want to talk to a person, 770-429-9166. And by the way, if you had questions for our financial planners who are on the show today, DJ or Michael, uh, you can call the same number, 770-429-9166. You can ask for them by name, and they'd be happy to help you with whatever the question is that you've got. Um, you can also email Gene at Hensler.com, D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com, or go to our website, Hensler.com, spelled in the same way. So, guys, uh, got a few questions this week. Amber and Greg from Kennesaw says, uh, what do we do about Apple? 
That's a good question. Um, I think we should buy more. Apple's hardly ever down 10%, but the wife thinks that we should sell before it gets worse. Mm-hmm. Go buy an iPhone. You think that'll do it? <laughs> I don't know. Is that, is that what I... Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, here's the thing. That's that's kind of the, the two ends of the spectrum, right? You see something falling, you, uh, you get kind of crazy. If you look, it, Apple topped on October 3rd of 2018. Uh, it is currently down almost 35%, 34.18% as of close yesterday. Wow. Uh, I, did, I, I didn't know it was down that far. I knew yeah. it was down. I did not know it was yeah. down that far, Troy. But if you look, now here's the thing. It's easy to get caught up in the short term, right? Do we invest for three months? No. no. Nah, absolutely not. Um, if you look since uh, December 31 of 2016, Apple has gained 16.1% annually. Two years, right? Three years. No, two years. 17 and 18. Uh, that's about 6.5% more than we would expect out of a normal S&P 500. So mm-hmm. uh, I always encourage people, don't get too caught up in the second, um, you know, back up, back up a few steps. Uh, Apple's current P.E. is around 13. Not bad at all. Um, you look at the P.E.G., which is their price uh, to earnings divided by their growth, which is uh, a forward P.E. divided by expected growth, and it's 1.15, slightly higher than where we like to buy companies at around 1. Apple looks pretty attractive here, if you ask me. Now, um, some of the innovation that we have seen in the past in Apple has not been there. Um, They're taking kind of a a slow... um, uh, slow is probably not the right word, but uh, we'll call it conservative approach to some of their um, their AI with Siri. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're trying to make sure that they protect um, uh, client information, protect uh, you know the users' uh, information, which is very important these days. Yeah. And it's it's kind of got them behind the eight ball a little bit, some think. Um, but I really believe a company with earnings growth over the last five years, 13%, expected to grow at 11% uh, with the numbers that they have right now. Apple looks pretty attractive. Even though, I think, didn't they announce they are going to maybe slow down the production of the iPhone, though, right? I mean, even uh, Well, with, yeah. I, I mean, I, what I think they're seeing is uh, headwinds in China. The, the growth potential there may be... Yeah, limited right i mean they they had a uh, they've they've been in a, a bit of a lawsuit with uh um uh, what in the world's company's name just totally escapes me at the moment <clears throat> um, but uh over um uh anyway it's uh, the the radio signal um they they've had a few headwinds huawei in 2018 actually surpassed them for market share mm, okay. globally uh so it's samsung huawei and then Apple at this point. Mm. Uh, but they still have a premium product. Nobody's uh, denying that. Right. I mean, there are folks that are absolutely sold, and I'm sure they're smashing their radio as they listen to me uh, because they love Samsung and hate Apple. There are those out there, but still, Apple's kind of, the, kind of the, the benchmark. Yeah, you're still trying to reach that mm-hmm. right spectrum when you're yeah. looking at I have my iPhone in my pocket right now, and when it, you know, two years when it dies, I'll buy another one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, you won't I, move to a different. I know how to. I know how to use it. Yeah. I know how it works, and I'm going to keep buying. Yeah. It. yeah. Comfortable with it, it, and it works. It works. Right? 
uh, I had a Samsung, the very first smartphone I had, but um, I had it for a couple of years, and I have changed since to an iPhone and so, don't know that I'll ever go back. Yeah. So anyway, okay. there's, uh, well, good. there's the way it is. I, uh, I think it's probably uh, a decent buying opportunity at this point. Now, we get that question a lot when we see market downturns. And don't believe that everything out there is worthy of, you know, you running and grabbing more and throwing it in your portfolio. Um, you know, you got to do a little bit of homework. Yeah, and I think it's important, too, you know, depending on how much, you know, you hold, you obviously don't want to hold too much of one particular security in your portfolio. So if you're approaching a 10% threshold, you know, it, it could be a consideration that That's even though true. it's a good buying opportunity, if you already are overweight in the tech sector and or Apple, you know, you may want to limit that that holding or sector, you know, even though it's maybe a buying opportunity now. Yep, no doubt. That's, Very uh, good that's point. a great point. Yep. Yeah. Uh, make sure that you're not getting even more overweight than you were. All right, we got another okay. question here from Monica. And Charlie uh, says, my husband Charlie will be losing his job in the next few weeks. He's a restaurant general manager, and the corporate owner is closing all locations in Georgia. We're doing our best to cut back knowing uh, this change is coming. I'm currently still in nursing school and only work part-time at the university. Uh, while we're pretty sure Charlie can get another manager position, should he request a deferment or forbearance for his student loan? Sounds like a question that could be answered by a financial planner. You guys? Well, I mean, the the our favorite answer is it depends. Oh, <laughs> um, I thought I thought that was the accountant that's a, answer. That's a great question. Yeah. Um, you know, look, if they can continue to make the payments and not hurt themselves, I wouldn't I wouldn't do it. Uh, you know, there is some downfalls to to doing that. Uh, in some situations, you're still going to have to uh, you know pay the interest on those, and you know the loan's not going away. So. I so the interest continues to mount even if you're in forbearance and, and you've asked for the deferment? You it, just don't have to make the payment? Is that is that the deal? It does. It does. Um, so you still get deeper in debt. Correct. Yeah. So deferment, you basically, you have to pay, um, you don't have to pay the interest at the time for, right. let's let's call it a six-month term. Sure. They're going to they're gonna postpone for six months. So during that six months, correct. Now during a forbearance, you, you, the interest still is going to accrue, but you don't necessarily have to make the payment. So depending upon the situation and and what the terms that they're going to give you, what they outline, you know, they may make you pay that back. You know, again, though there's six month period, there's there's no payments. That helps in the six month that short term uh, cycle. The life of the loan, it is still going to be a larger. Um, you number. know, number in term. the long yeah, term. You have to pay absolutely. So still. Suck it up if you can. So if you can make those paying. payments, absolutely keep paying. But if it's it's one of those situations, you've cut back on every other, um, you know, everywhere else, and this is kind of, you know, you really need this, absolutely make the call. Um, you know, there's going to be some forms you got to fill out. Make sure you, you file those, and they're, they're going to work with you. Um, but, you know, just make sure that coming back, once he's got his job, make sure this is a priority to start making those payments because uh, student loan debt you're not getting rid of. You know, even Ever, in bankruptcy, yeah. that is going to stick around for for a while. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have to pay it. So take a little break if you need to get back on and make those payments. That way, you don't get too far behind the eight ball when you look at this this type of debt. All right, uh, got one more, uh, less than a minute to answer it. Let's see. Uh, Jason and Lisa from Roswell says we're looking to sell our home and move this year. Uh, not very exciting. I don't know why. 
uh, but intimidating because this is our first home, so we have no idea what we're doing. Do you have any advice? Find a real estate professional. <laughs> so you, when it comes to selling a home, I mean, you've got a lot of things to consider. You know, um, you know what one, you know, what does your current home look like? What are they going to, are you going to have to put money into the current home to upgrade it, if you will, to then sell it? So, you know, maybe get a professional, do a walkthrough. Let's take a look at, you know, what potential downfalls, like you said, a water heater, I think Michael's what you said, yeah. you, you replaced, you know, if you know your water heater is going to go, get that inspection, get, you know, get sure. the inspection, get all of that up to speed, get a professional to kind of help you take a, take a look, evaluate that and, uh, and, and move on from there. Cause there's right. a lot of contracts that go into this, so it could be pretty sticky. No doubt. You're listening to Money Talk. We'll catch you next week. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.